Welcome to this message from City Bible Church in Portland, Oregon. City Bible Church is a vibrant community of people with one common desire to experience God, enjoy people, and celebrate life. We're talking about the plus factor in a person's life. Is there a plus factor for a person to actually know Jesus and have an edge or a plus over their life? The answer is absolutely yes. Not only is there a plus for your living right now, but there's an absolute plus for the thing called eternity. Now, if we would just talk about the plus mark over a person's life that believes, then that plus mark in eternity would be huge. That is, for you to spend eternity with Christ in a place called heaven, in a place that is righteous without sorrow or sickness, pain or tears. In that particular place, that would be an awesome plus right there. So talk about a minus for eternity to spend your eternal destination in a place that is called hell and judgment and damnation for eternity, never to end. No purgatory there, no second chance. It goes forever. You can't even imagine that. We don't talk a lot about hell. We don't talk a lot about heaven. We just think people kind of understand the two and live their life accordingly. But just think about it. Even if you live 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, 100 years, it's nothing compared to eternity. It's nothing compared to something that never ends. And so when you talk about plus, a mark over your life, to have a mark over your life that would mark you for eternity is the greatest plus of all. The Lord Jesus teaches very clearly that that is true. The book of Revelation brings out some pictures so that you can actually understand and see what eternity might look like. We actually know from the book of Revelation a little bit about the judgment day, a little bit about the judgment seat, a little bit about the lake of fire, a little bit about New Jerusalem and heaven. So we actually see what happens during that last time after the resurrection. Everybody will die unless Christ comes back first. Everyone will resurrect, some to damnation and some to justification. But everybody will have a resurrected body. Realize that. You will all be resurrected to something. And so the book of Revelation gives you a picture on what happens in that resurrection as you awake from that sleep and you appear before the judgment seat of Christ and then your destiny is declared before all the angels of heaven and all the people listening. It must be one of those kind of things you can't imagine how long that would take for everybody to go through that kind of a process. It's just mind-boggling to think about it. I just know one thing. On that particular day, that particular moment, When the books are open, because the Bible says the books will be open. And there's a book called, and it's in your Bible, it's in the book of Revelation, it's called the book of life. And when the book of life is open, there will be names in that book. I pray and believe that my name is in that book already. And I pray and believe that your name, if you've called on Jesus and know Jesus, your name's in that book. And that day when your name is read, that would be the greatest plus in all eternity that could ever happen to you is for your name to be read on that day as a person who's in the book of life, not the book of death. Now, Jesus speaks about this. Paul speaks about this. They also speak about everything this side of the grave and that side of the grave. There's plus for both. There's plus for the eternal side and there's plus for this temporal side. 
Whether I live 20, 50, or 100 years, I live life on planet Earth. And as I live life on planet Earth, I'm a person who has a spirit, a soul, and a body. My body needs to be under the blessing of the Lord Jesus Christ, protected by the Lord Jesus Christ. There are scriptures about my body in the Bible that I can believe for. Not only health, but healing. There's scriptures about this temple, how I treat this temple, what it's supposed to be like, what I'm to pray about, how I'm to discipline this temple right here. There's also scriptures in the Bible that speaks about my soul. My soul is my mind, my will, my emotions. My triune being matches the triune God. My triune being of my mind, my will, and my emotions are under the cross. When I accept Jesus, he comes into every part of my life. Now, this is a plus or it's a minus. My mind can be so messed up that I'm a minus. My mind is filled with strongholds and negativity and wrong thinking about wrong things. And and my mind's not serving me to help anything. It's a minus. It can be a plus. My emotions can be twisted. My emotions can be slam dunked into areas they shouldn't be slam dunked into. And my emotions can be a stronghold of my life. They can be the kind of thing that causes me to be double-minded, double-life. They can cause me to be very moody, depressed. They can cause me to have a weird personality. They can cause me to go through life with a funny attitude, my emotions. I can have a minus or a plus with my emotions. It's my decisions. It's how I live my life. It's whether I give them all to Jesus. And then my will. My will has to do with my decision-making. And when I have a minus on my will, my will can what? The Bible says my will can be stubborn. My will can be hardened. My will can be totally uh, totally self-centered and self-serving. And so my will can mess me up because I won't bend. I'm not teachable. I'm not soft. I won't allow God to come in and mess with my decisions. I won't do things that will yield to what the Word of God says. And so my will can begin to really minus my life. Now, Jesus comes in to say, listen, I want you to have life and life more abundantly. I want to put a plus not only on your eternal side, but this side of the grave, I want to put a plus on your life. I want you to have a plus on your body. I want you to know how to be healthy and whole. I want you to be healthy and whole in your mind, world, and emotions. I want you to be healthy and whole in everything you do with your will. I want you to be a plus person. And with that plus discipline that comes in, there comes that extra amount. And this is my definition of plus right here. A plus mark is set over a life, which brings what? An added extra. Now, the added extra comes on top of me having some knowledge and discipline in the areas I just mentioned, but there's still this supernatural thing. There's this spiritual thing. There's this grace thing. There's this mercy thing. Even when I don't align my body totally right, God says, I'll have mercy on you. Even when my emotions are really uh, still a little messed up, God says, I will still have grace on you, Frank. I'm still going to work with you. I'm not going to judge you on that. I'm not going to beat you up on that. I'm not going to make you pay for everything that you've done wrong. I'm not going to judge you every time you step on the wrong side of something. How many can say a big hallelujah? And so the plus of God comes by the grace of God. It's an extra, a benefit, an overshadowing in every aspect of life with the great blessings of God spiritually and practically. Now we've established out of Ephesians 1, I hope you turn there right now, Ephesians chapter 1. I'm going to read in just a moment the key verse that we're looking at, but I want you to go to Ephesians chapter 1, verses 1 through 23. We've already covered 1 through 11. 
And our first verse, Paul speaks about how we're in Christ. My first definition of being positioned for the plus factor goes like this. When you're positioned, that is, you're in Christ, not in Ephesus, that is, you're in the cross, not just in your culture, not just in your environment. Your roots go down to something else. Of course, if you're not in Christ, your roots will not bear the fruit of that, and so the culture will always overwhelm you, and your roots over here will cause you to live a different kind of life. And that's why the apostle says, be positioned in Christ. Position, why? It's the gateway. To the abundant, unlimited blessing God has for us, it starts with being positioned in Christ and seated in heavenly places, which moves me to the second one, which is poised for the plus factor. Now, when I'm poised for the plus factor, that means not only am I in in Christ, but I'm also now poised. I'm seated. I'm seated in heavenly places. I'm relaxed. I'm not striving after everything. I'm not worried I'm not trying to just, you know, uh, do it on my own. I relax. I understand my roots are in the right place, and I can relax in Christ's grace. I'm seated in heavenly place. I'm poised, positioned with a ready attitude, prepared spirit. Balanced on our toes as a runner at the block today, ready instantly to move forward into opportunities. God opens to us to what? To bless us beyond Anything, anything, imagine. Now, the blessings of God, as we've already said, come to us not because we deserve them, because who we're in. We're in Christ, and we're in the Word, and we're in the Spirit, and the blessings of God flow to us because of Christ's virtue and Christ's grace, which brings us to predestined, the pre-foreshadowed, foreordained, Word we studied out of Ephesians 1 verse 4, Ephesians 1 verse 11, that we are predestined for the plus factor. We've been personally selected by God divinely marked for a special purpose. That in itself right there would be preached for a month, that you've been selected. Other people can reject you, it doesn't matter. God has chosen you. You've been specially selected, and you've been selected for a divine special purpose. Every person who names the name of Christ is selected for a divine destiny. You have a destiny. You are not an accident. You're not a person that is hopeless, helpless, visionless, purposeless. None of those words fit you if you have called on the name of Jesus five minutes ago or 50 years ago. You have purpose. You've been designed for something. There's something in you that God is working into the very fiber of his predestination for your life. Everything about you, from the early childhood on, God is working in you to become a particular kind of person. God knows your destiny. We have been set apart for unique destiny, chosen for a specific call, that we might achieve great things in God in our lifetime. Now, verse 13, 14. Ephesians 1 Verse 13 and 14. It's in Christ that you, I'm reading from the message translation, you mark your own Bible. Here's our text. It's in Christ, everyone say in Christ, that you, once you heard the truth and believed, This message of salvation, 
found yourselves home free. Signed, sealed, and delivered by the Holy Spirit. The signet from God is the first installment on what's coming. A reminder that we'll get everything God has planned for us. A praising and glorious life. Notice the words. Sealed. Installment. Everything planned. I call this message sealed for the plus factor. I've been positioned. I've been seated and poised. I've been predestined. Now comes one of those Pauline unique usages of cultural understanding the language in his day where he says, and you've also been, what word will I use for this? Oh, I know what word. You've been sealed. Yep, that's the word I'll use because everyone in the Roman Empire understands what it means to be sealed. And you've been sealed with an installment. And the first fruits or the earnest of the down payment that's in you is simply the guarantee that everything that has been planned for you will happen because you've been sealed to the future. You've been sealed to an inheritance. What? Does he mean? Here's what we mean. Sealed for the plus factor. We've been given a pledge, and that pledge is a guarantee that God will fulfill all that he has promised. We've been sealed by the Holy Spirit, called Holy Spirit of promise, guaranteeing us an amazing future and a plus life. We've been given a pledge a promise, a guarantee. How many people live in the fear of failure, the fear of unfulfillment, the fear of not hitting the mark, the fear of being deceived, the fear of being disillusioned, the fear of living your whole life and missing the whole mark? The Apostle Paul uses a very important phrase and a very important part of doctrine and theology is right here. If you have been sealed, your future is sealed in it. If you have been sealed, nobody can mess with the seal. Because it belongs to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and the God of the universe. He has all authority. And when he puts his signet on that seal, nobody can mess with that seal. And the Apostle Paul is bringing out something so very important and comforting. And it should drive you to a spirit of faith that you have been sealed. Pledged. Now, there are four pivotal responses in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 12 and 13. If you look at your Bible, you'll find these four words I'm going to give you right now. These four responses are the responses that align you to the sealing, the sealment, the guarantee on your life. What are they? One, the hearing plus 
The hearing plus life response. Paul says that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. In him you also trusted. And then he says, after you heard. First response to alignment to the sealing of the Holy Spirit in your life is you have to hear. And if you hear, and if you hear properly, you will move to the second, but you first have to hear. Now, the Lord Jesus teaches in the parables and throughout his teaching that people can hear wrong. People can hear words with their mind but never accept with their spirit. People can have a reaction to the gospel and have a hearing problem where the sea can fall on the wayside, the sea can be choked by the carriage of this world. Why? Because they won't hear. Matthew 7, 24, when Jesus uses the parable of the house, he says, let every person who hears my saying and obeys them, he's like a man who builds. And this man who builds on the rock is a man who hears and obeys and builds. So when the rain comes and the floods and the winds and all the trials come, the house does not move. Why? Because he's a person who hears and response. You can go through life listening but never hearing. You can go through life having information come your way but not responding. So the apostle says first they heard, second is they believed. Your life response is that you believe what you hear. Now to believe means that you place your confidence, you move your trust over And this can happen in a microsecond or it might happen over a period of time. But if you hear the gospel and once you hear the gospel and respond to the gospel, then you can move to the place where you believe the gospel. If you believe the gospel, something now is a chemistry that's taking place in your life. You're beginning to change. You're beginning to have a supernatural encounter with this person that seals you for your destiny and your future if you hear and if you believe. But many people hear but never believe. Bible says even the devils believe and tremble but they don't trust. They don't ever surrender to Christ. They just hear it and they believe the information, but they don't put their life into it. So a person can attend church and they can go through all the works of Christianity or religious stuff, but not be born again. They can sing. They can attend. They can serve. They can feel a burden to get involved with areas of people's life and not be born again. Why? They hear, but they've never believed. And because they haven't believed, there's something going on inside of them that would contradict this verse that Paul's going to bring up about the sealing of the Holy Spirit in your life. Third, once you believe, you trust. Paul says those who have trusted are those who have heard and believed. What happens? When you hear Christ and his word, and you believe in Christ and his word, you begin to trust Christ and his word. 
You begin to relax on the word of God. You start trusting the word of God. You start saying to people, but God does this and God will do this and God is able and I'm trusting the Lord. And, you know, I know it doesn't look right, but I'm trusting the Lord. I know this is a hard time, but I'm trusting the Lord. You know, I know uh, that this is very uh, uh, confusing for people, but the Bible says that I can trust in the Lord. And I know that I should feel bad, but I'm trusting in the Lord. And you know what? I believe God is in control of my life. I believe God is working all things after the counsel of his own will according to his good pleasure. I believe, I believe, and I trust. When you know Christ, and the more you know Christ, the more you what? The more you trust him. And the more you trust him, the more you confess to people how much you trust him. And if you can't trust him, it's because you're not believing in him. If you're not believing in him and not trusting him, maybe there's nothing inside of you to build on. Fourth is the sealing of the person. So you hear you believe, you trust. Then comes this verse where the Apostle Paul says, you have been sealed by the Holy Spirit a promise. How does a person get sealed? What is the sealing of the Holy Spirit in your life? Well, the seal was used throughout Bible history, and it was used as a mark of something. I'm going to give you now what it means to be sealed by the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 1.13, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of, the Holy Spirit of, everyone say the word promise. promise. The Holy Spirit of what? Promise. promise. And you were sealed with the Holy Spirit. In the days that Paul wrote, the seal was something that was beyond just a signature. It was a mark, and it was something that represented a lot behind it from the Old Testament right through to the very book of Revelation. We have this word seal and what God has sealed and how God seals things. The apostle says, now listen, the wax on your document that has been melted into your life and sealed you is the Holy Spirit and the signet, the ring that has come upon that hot wax is the very ring of the Lord Jesus himself. When you're sealed, these words take place in your life. The God seal in your life has five meanings. One, you're authentic. A seal was a guarantee of authenticity. It was a guarantee that what the king was sealing into the document or into whatever he was sealing, it is authentic, it is real. I attest to it that what is inside of this document or this tomb or this treasure chest, I attest to it that it's authentic, it's exactly what I say it is. And so when you're sealed by the Holy Spirit, there's something authentic about you. Two, it's a certification that marks you as something special. You're so special that Jesus puts his name on you, puts his ring on you. Third, it's a mark of protection. You to protect against anybody trying to tamper with what's inside what has been sealed. Matthew 27 and verse 66, so they went and made the tomb secure sealing the stone and setting the guard. They went and made the tomb secure. How? Sealing the stone. 
set in the guard. Can I apply that to your life right now? But God had secured your life with a seal, set a guard over your life, and nobody can tamper with that. Nobody can come, not even the devil himself, that tries to come and mess with the seal and try to steal something out of it. You have been sealed, and God has put a guard over your life, a guard over what is inside of you, a guard over your future. The devil cannot steal what God has sealed. That's why it's so important for you to know that you've been sealed. Four, it's ownership. Used to identify the ownership beyond any question. Ownership for us, of course, is the Holy Spirit coming into our life and we're owned by Jesus. And five, it's the word completion. Used to signify the completion of a final transaction that takes place. In the signing of a document, there's something completed. That is, you're the completed work of Christ. God is going to finish the work in you. There's nothing that can stop that happening. Now, the seal of the Holy Spirit is upon you. All right? Ephesians 1.13 says we've been sealed with the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 4.30, 4 and verse 30 says, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you were sealed. Why? Don't, don't grieve the sealing of the Holy Spirit on your life. Don't, don't grieve the very person that's protecting you and authenticating you and completing you and working. Don't grieve the work of the Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians 1.21 says, He who established us with you in Christ and has anointed us and sealed us by the anointing. 2 Corinthians 5.5 says the seal is a guarantee. What God is doing in us is real. Now, when you're sealed, it seems according to New Testament, it's at least one, two, or three things that it can mean. One for sure. It's when you are first sealed in your spirit, it's when you accept Christ and the Holy Spirit comes into your life. If there's no Holy Spirit in you, there is no sealing of your life. If the Holy Spirit's not in you, there is no name in the book. If the Holy Spirit's not in you, there is no work that's going on. Romans chapter 8, verse 9, makes it so clear. And verse 11. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. Romans 8, 9. If indeed... If indeed, the Spirit of God dwells in you. Then Paul says, that's not good enough. Let me say it more clearer. If anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. But if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Holy Spirit who dwells in you. Either you have the Spirit or you don't. Either you're in Christ or out. It's the same thing. Either the Holy Spirit has entered your life and you have something going on that's called living forming, transforming, shaping a powerful embryonic seed of the kingdom of God, the third person of the Godhead himself is deposited into your life. And you know it. It's not something where you have to look around and wonder, I don't know if the Holy... You would know if you have the Holy Spirit. And you should know if you don't have the Holy Spirit. If you have the Holy Spirit, 
You've been sealed. That's the first step. And you've been sealed. Let me give you seven things you're sealed to, just one-liners. All right? If you're sealed by the Holy Spirit, one, you're sealed to God's love. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. God loves you in spite of yourself, in spite of life. God loves you. When everyone else walks out, God never walks out. He loves you. Song of Solomon 8, 6. He has set me as a seal upon your heart. 2 Timothy 2, 19. This is the foundation that the Lord knows everyone he has sealed. Having, it's an interesting verse, and I wish I had time to actually exegete that. 2 Timothy 2, 19. Having this seal, the Lord knows those who have the seal. Two, you are sealed to God's promises. What God has spoken in the word, not what God maybe says to you through a rhema, prophetic sense or whatever, but for sure the promises that are in the book, you've been sealed to the promises. 2 Corinthians 1, 20 and 22. For the promises are yea and amen and him. You've been sealed to the promises. Three, you've been sealed to righteousness. To live a right life, a pure life. You've been sealed to that. Don't let anybody tamper with that seal. Romans 4.11. You've received this seal. For you are sealed to an inheritance. That inheritance is both now and in eternity. But you have an inheritance now to claim. Ephesians 1.14. Five, you are sealed to fruitfulness. It says in Romans 15.28, I have performed this and have sealed to them This fruit, wow, I've been sealed to bear specific kind of fruit in the kingdom of God. Number six, I've been sealed for a vision that I don't even see yet. All that God wants me to see is already in me. Just needs to be quickened, brought forward. It's been sealed inside of me. All the vision that God will ever give my life will not come from without. It will come from within. It is already in me. Those that will speak will confirm. Those that will bring more understanding will add to it. But there's already in me the vision that God has for my life. That's why prayer is so important. That's why fasting is so important. That's why you serve in Jesus with a true heart so important because he begins to cultivate what is already in you and then you have your eyes in light and you begin to see what God has already put inside of you. Daniel eight twenty six, number seven, you're sealed so the devil cannot steal what God put inside of you. The thief comes to steal, John 10, 10, kill, destroy. I'm sealed. One last verse, and I would just call this point, sealed to the Holy Spirit, a fullness. I think there's two sealings in the scripture that I see theologically. One is when I'm born again, the Holy Spirit comes in and abides in me. Two is when the Holy Spirit flows out from me into what is called fullness. The word pleura in the Greek. It's that there's a fullness. John 7, 37. Out of your innermost being shall flow rivers. And this spake he of the 
Holy Spirit. The baptism of the Holy Spirit, the infant of the Holy Spirit, the release of the Holy Spirit, the river of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, the presence of the Holy Spirit, the flow of the Holy Spirit, the release of the Holy Spirit. However you want to say it, you want more Holy Spirit. Can I hear an amen? amen. To let that flow out from you is one of the great seals in the New Testament.